this has been an interesting, we're 10 days into the new year and we, uh, this week has been one of the most momentous weeks and in, in, uh, times in the, in the life of our nation. Uh, and I won't, you know, you, you, I'll spare you the news commentary. There's plenty of that going around, but uh, it's interesting. Two things of note happened this week and uh, one got overshadowed by the other. Of course, the, the major issue was the uh, terrible insurrection and invasion of our capital by uh, the so-called protesters, the uh, pro-Trump faction that uh, was called to D.C., summoned to D.C. to uh, to to combat and to fight for whatever they're fighting for. There's a lot to be said there, but uh, I, I like what was said recently. Many of you realize, as Christians, we live in, in two dimensions. We live in this world, and we 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 buy, we sell, we work, we we vote, we 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 we're activists, whatever area we were able to be. And then the other the other level is the other dimension is that we live as citizens of the kingdom of God. And uh, that'll come up in our message today where our true citizenship lies. Uh, so we're, 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 we, have, we have dual citizenship. There are a lot of people, like there are a lot of Canadians in the United States who maintain dual citizenship and they, they are citizens of both countries. And we're, we have dual citizenship. And so um, I... I am appalled that more so-called evangelical leaders in this nation have not spoken out more forcefully against what is going on. I am appalled at the cowardice. I'm appalled at the level of brainwashing. And for years, many of us wondered how uh, a predominantly Christian culture in, in Germany in the 30s, uh, if you study theology proper, you end up... If you, if, you, if you go to Fuller Seminary and get a PhD in theology, you have to study, you have to know uh, Greek, Hebrew, French, and German, because a lot a lot of the seminal theological works, a lot of the great works are written are, are from German theologians. That's how deep Germany was. But but notice how that whole country flipped and, and swore their allegiance to the Fuhrer. And uh, and we see the, the, the tragic outcome of that. So you wonder how that could happen. Look around you. You see it going on in the United States. So we need to pray. We need to vote. We need to think. We need to stay up. We need to stay woke and alert, and uh, we need to to critically read the scriptures and apply the scriptures to our political thought and to everything around us. We cannot succumb to any foolishness, because people. I mean, when you saw people out there breaking into the Capitol with flags saying Jesus, holding up pictures of Bibles, uh, you know that something is dreadfully wrong in our country. So we're praying. We, we we have to pray for our nation because there's there are deep divides and see, lot, folks. My opposition to, 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 to Donald Trump was not partisan. When he got elected, the night he got elected, I cried, I wept, and I went to bed early. But it wasn't because he was a Republican versus a Democrat. It was because I saw his character, and I knew that he was not qualified, did not have the temperament, the intellect, nor the, the love and compassion to, to lead this country. And it has played out in front of us. So they got their judges. They got a, a few laws passed. They got... It's Jerusalem capital, whatever, I, you know, but look at what it's cost us. So the other lesson here, folks, is this bad leadership is bad leadership. And, you know, you can fiddle while Rome burns. And so, uh, you know, bottom line, again, there's only one king and his name is Jesus. Amen. Um, but the other good thing that happened this weekend, and again, not so much because it's partisan, but because I believe that the, the Republican stranglehold on the Senate, particularly the person, uh, Mitch McConnell, ha has kept a lot of things from getting done in our country over the last 
eight years or so. The voting rights bill has been on his desk. He won't even bring it to the floor. And uh, uh, I, I, I remember something that Andre 3000 said in 1995. He said, the South got something to say. And this week, the South had something to say. And Georgia spoke up and, uh, and, and, and made a choice. And uh, the choice was between better candidates, right or left. But, you know, it, so that was, that was a victory. And it, it gives our incoming president the opportunity to get something done and maybe to do some things that will help uh, the people. So I'm grateful for that. Again, I, you know, someone said, well, you know, you preach, I'm not preaching politics, but you know what? I, I know where most, where most of us kind of fall on the spectrum. And I see politics from the standpoint of justice and mercy and righteousness. And I don't see, I don't see our issues in terms of two issues, but in terms of a myriad of issues. And so you know, many people, many Christians look at like two or three things and I'm looking at, I'm looking at the future of my my children and my grandchildren. I'm looking at the plight of my community. I'm thinking about uh, the, the the meth head that lives on on the at the west door of our church and uh, the, the the social system and the safety net that might be needed to to pull him up out of that 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 that, that pit of despair. So, so it's been an interesting week, but uh, I, I want to get into the message this morning and. Uh, Let's again. Let's try this one more time. Let me go right here and uh, and again. Thank you all of you for your prayers and for your love and support. And uh, it's been a it's, it, God is good and uh, God is working in my life. The title of our message this morning, and this is where we started our last week from Philippians three. Three words: emptying, longing, and pressing. Okay, let's let's look at the text this morning from Philippians, the third chapter, beginning in verse seven, it reads like this. But whatever were gains to me, and this is Paul, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of, the, of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And listen to what he says here in verse 10. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. But he's not through. He says, in verse 12, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Amen. And I appreciate, again, I, I love the conversation that takes place when we do our time of sharing because the Holy Spirit brings certain things to our to the forefront of, of our consciousness. And, and it all kind of works together and speaks together from Octavia's comments. Uh, and again, I, I, I've known Octavia. Octavia, I think I've known you for that whole 20 years you mentioned. I know you said over 20 years you weren't talking about your life, man. I think you're a little older than that. That's a joke, but I know you and, I, and I've seen how far God has brought you. And I've seen God bless your life. And, and some, so many of you, uh, you know, I, yes, I was there when Dorcia got the apartment, a brand new apartment, 
uh, 10 years ago. And, you know, we've walked together and we, through every chapter of our life story, we've, we've, we've given God the glory. And, uh, and so I so appreciate that. And I, I hope that at the end of the day, that today we'll go away with, with a sense of what God is saying to us in this moment. And in these trying times, we need a word from God. We need to hear God speak. And God speaks through the man of God, but God speaks through the people of God as well. And so this service from beginning to end, from the, from the opening statements and the prayers and the reading of Scripture to all of that, we, the voice of the Lord is speaking and imparting revelation to us to help us to, to equip us to live and to live victoriously and to live successfully in the midst of whatever we face. There's, there's, there's nothing in the Bible that says that, that, you know, God would equip us to live in good times, but then leave us, you know, hanging in bad times. As a matter of fact, it is in, the, in, in times like these that, that, that all of the spiritual resources that, we, that God has given us come, are, are, are needed most and come into play. Now, let me ask you a question this morning, uh, and just think about this for a moment. What is your primary, what is your top, what is your main goal in life? What, what is your primary focus at this stage or this point of your life? Think about that for a minute. Think about it. it might be, maybe some of you, it's education. Maybe it's, it's, it's going to college. Maybe you get a, a, a degree or an advanced degree. Uh, maybe it's moving up the career ladder, you know, getting that dream job. Thank God, Joy, for your sister. What a beautiful thing. And we always rejoice when we hear of people getting the, their dream job and getting finding employment that is meaningful and, and that, is, that, that is a blessing to them and they can be a blessing to the people that they work with. Uh, maybe it's to buy a house or, or, or gain that living space you desire. Charles Finley gave his testimony Wednesday night about he got into a a, a, an apartment, a, a place that he had been waiting for and trying to get for for months and months, and, and, and you know that that could be a goal. Maybe it's maybe it's it has to do with dating, finding Mister Right or Miss Right, and getting married and having a family. Maybe, maybe uh, uh, and for many of us right now, our, our one of our primary goals is to 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 stand strong and stand firm during this season of COVID and to get through it, uh, you know, and to not get and not become ill. But goals are what keep us moving forward and pressing on in life. And so, but let me remind you of one thing. Your goals are evidenced by what you spend your time doing and to some degree where you spend your money. Um, and so here's the deal. It's good to have goals, but there is one goal that I want to talk about this morning that every Christian needs to have that, that supersedes all others. And Paul breaks that out for us in verse 10. And this is what he says. He says, this is my main goal. I want to know Christ. For Paul, everything else is secondary to this one goal. And for you and me as Christians, everything else should be secondary to this one goal, to know Christ. Now listen, I don't just mean to know about Christ, but to know him personally, to know him deeply, to know him intimately. As a matter of fact, everything else in our lives needs to be seen as God's platform and God's training ground for accomplishing this one goal. Paul expresses in this passage that becoming like Jesus is his chief desire to knowing Christ. And, and you'll notice his thoughts in, 
as you read through the chapter in verse 8, he talks about, I want to gain Christ, be found in Christ, verse 9. I want to know him. I want to be conformed to his death. I want to lay hold of him. I want to, and he's this one thing I do. The, and he talks about the prize of the, of the upward call, which is, is really has to do with deepening relationship with Jesus. And in this, in this passage, Paul reveals three things that are involved in following after this one goal. And those three things are this, emptying, longing, and pressing. Emptying, longing, and pressing. Let's talk about emptying for a moment. Um, Paul, had, you know, I, I, uh, I, I, I got to polish up my resume this year. Maybe you do. Uh, but mine isn't that impressive. My wife is quite a bit more impressive. When you get a PhD on there, you don't think you all that right there. Yeah, I got it. But, you know, I, you know, we all, you know, we got resumes. Well, Paul kind of in chapter three of Philippians, he, uh, he he gives us in a sense his resume the verses that come before this and his resume is quite impressive impressive when it comes to his religious background we see that in verses four through six and in Paul's resume if you will he lists the things that if he were going to try to live by having confidence in the flesh you know in, in his humanity those would be the re those would be the things he would rely upon those would be the reason and, and Paul says this that the things that before he thought were gains are now counted as losses for Christ. The things that previously seemed to be assets now have become liabilities because his paradigm has changed. And now Paul has become an outcast and he's been forsaken and hated by the religious community that was formerly the source of his pride and joy. But Paul realizes with regard to his relationship with Christ that the things he formerly depended on and trusted in, the source of his pride and glory, if you will, were now considered by him literally, literally to be garbage or rubbish or refuse. In fact, the Greek word Paul uses in verse 8 literally means uh, the excrement of animals, dung or manure. Uh, in other words, not only worthless, but offensive, you know, so Greek word scubala. And so you might ask, why was Paul's religious pedigree, why was his, you know, his background something that's become so offensive to him at this point? And here's the reason why. Because as good as those things were in the prior context, they ultimately served him to keep him from that which was most important in the long run, and that was knowing Christ. This prior paradigm under which Paul lived told him that he could be saved on the basis of his own goodness, his own works, his own righteousness. But Paul came to understand that this wasn't true. Paul had come to the conclusion that he could never be good enough in himself. And he came to know that his sin had to be dealt with if God were truly just. And so Paul came to the conclusion that everything uh, that spoke of Paul, anything in which he would be tempted to put his confidence, it was, it was over. It was gone. That was the past. And it was worthless to him now. You see, for, for years, Paul's reality, reality was rooted in his religious identity. Some of you may have known folks like that. They're, they're proud. They're just simply proud of being a Baptist or a Presbyterian or whatever they are. But sometimes you might wonder if they really understand the basis of what, what their faith is really all about. 
And Paul's reality was rooted in his religious identity, and he was this well-respected Pharisee. But now Paul has emptied himself of his past confidence. And the cry of his heart is this, I want to be found in Christ. So first of all, if Paul was going to follow after that goal of really knowing Christ, there had to be an emptying. So it might be that for some of us, our progress toward the goal of knowing Christ, it may require an emptying on our part as well. It may be that some of the props, some of the security blankets of the past may need to be abandoned in order for us to grow deeper in our knowledge of Christ. The second thing is this, longing. Verse 10, Paul said, I want to know Christ. Do you, do you feel the, 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 the earnestness there, the sense of longing? I, it's not like I said, you know, it's not a casual, I want to know Christ, but I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And the word in the Greek for know is gnosko. And this word is not just, doesn't just apply a casual or cursory knowledge. But to know someone or something, something intimately and by experience. Oswald Chambers once wrote, the root of faith is the knowledge of a person. You see, faith never knows where it is being led, but it knows and loves the one who is leading. Now, Paul, Paul mentions knowing Christ in, in three areas. Number one, he says the power of his resurrection. I, I don't know about you, but, but yes, I want to know Jesus in that way, and, and I want that power in my life. And, you know, Dwight read from the first chapter of Ephesians, and, and in that glorious chapter that Dwight blessed us with this morning, Paul prays for the Ephesians that they would come to know that resurrection power in their lives, that they would come to uh, understand the fullness of, of, of Jesus and all the things that God has in store for the saints. And I, and I in this new year, I want, as, I want more than ever to walk in the power of his resurrection, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that same power is available and dwells in us. Amen. And then the second thing he says, I want to know him in the fellowship of his suffering. Say, wait a minute, Charles. Well, we, we don't want to talk about suffering today. Uh, we want to just keep this encouraging. <laughs> but listen, be real about it. The deepest moments of our spiritual fellowship with Jesus, the deepest moments of fellowship with other members of the body of Christ are often experienced in the seasons of suffering. And, and through our sufferings, whether we like it or not, we usually don't. I'm not saying that we should, but we can be encouraged and take heart in the fact that in our sufferings, we come to know Jesus in a way that we wouldn't have otherwise. <laughs> Listen, family, have you noticed how in the midst of this, of this pandemic and all the trials and tribulations we've all been through uh, over the last 10 months or so, you notice that I've, I've watched a lot of you grow deeper in your faith. I, I, I've, I've seen us grow deeper in our relationship with Christ, and I've seen us grow deeper in our fellowship with one another. And our church 
through the, this season of, of adversity has flourished and, and, and God has deepened us and, 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 and strengthened the bonds of fellowship between us. It, it, isn't that wonderful? Look at God. I mean, you would think that, wow, this, this, should, have, this should have torn us apart. It should, have, it should have just shredded us all. But it hasn't. God has used this. And we knew where to go. We go to the rock of our salvation, right? We ran to Jesus and we ran to church and we came to fellowship on Zoom and we, we hung out together. We prayed together. We stayed together. And, 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 and that, that, that's so, so Paul understood in, in sharing in the sufferings of Christ and Paul absolutely did in his life. He realized that those sufferings, though unpleasant and unwelcome on one level, only served to draw him deeper into his relationship with Christ. It's kind of like what Joseph says in Genesis 50 to his brothers. He said, you, you know, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And you can say that to the enemy. You meant this for evil. You're trying to take us out, but God will use everything because God works in everything for the good of those who, who, who love him and are called according to his purpose. Say amen, somebody. Amen. So um, how do we... You know, the question would be, how do we partake in the fellowship of uh, in the fellowship of his suffering? And that would lead us to the, the next area of knowing Christ, and that is being conformed to his death. Listen to me very carefully here. This is really important. And this is not always this this area of content is not always culturally uh, embraced, even in in the faith today. Um, if you're going to understand the Christian faith, the biblical faith, you must understand that life in Christ is a paradox, if you will, in which, listen to this, dying equals gaining and losing equals winning. That's a part of the uh, dichotomy and and the the conflict between uh, the current president and the Christian community, because we, they have hitched their wagon to a person whose paradigm in life is all about winning at any cost, always. And um, uh, that is that paradigm is so detached from the Christian faith and, the, of course, the egotism, pride, pride and arrogance that goes with it. Um, this is one of the reasons why he's refused to give up, the, you know, to, to concede the election because he just doesn't want to be seen as a loser. But in the Christian faith, dying equals gaining and losing equals winning. Again, think about Philippians 2 that I cited earlier. What kind of dying is Paul talking about here? He's talking about death to self, about losing our lives in a way that frees us to experience the resurrection life that Christ has for us. This is what Jesus said in John 12, 24 and 25. He says, very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Paul relates this in Galatians 2.20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. See, he says, there's a part of me, there's a sense in which I've died. He says, but Christ lives in me, and so the life I now live in the body Here's the difference. I died to that old life. I died to myself. It's not all about me anymore. He says, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, and he died for me. He gave himself for me. 
So Paul, in following after his goal, says that there, there was an emptying, right? Rejection of anything from his past that would keep him from his goal of knowing Christ in the present. There's a deep longing to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. And then thirdly, after that, there is a pursuing. This is where we'll spend the rest of our time. In verse 12, he says, it's not that I've already obtained all this, or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Now, I don't think if any of us here today on this Zoom call could say, uh, yeah, I, I've, I've made it. I've obtained it all. I've arrived at my goal. I know I have it. And the, the older I get, the, the more I realize how expansive and how magnificent the goal is and how I still have a ways to go. But look what he says. He says, he says, I press on, I press on, I press on. This is our, this is the word of the Lord to us in 2021. We've got to press on. He says, because pressing on speaks of, of energy and action. And Paul here is reflecting on this continual pursuit. And the question, well, why is it continual? Because we'll never attain this ultimate, the ultimate goal this side of heaven. Here's the nature of the Christian life. We'll never obtain ultimate perfection in this life. And I was going up, some folks I was around, kind of, I, I, they think they kind of halfway thought they had gotten there. Uh, but you'll, you'll never get there. Christ is always working in us. And yes, he gives us the victory, but there will always be another area of our lives that needs work. And so pursuing the goal of knowing Christ begins with, with a kind of dissatisfaction with our spiritual condition. I know we're, we're, you, you definitely you, you want to believe in yourself, love yourself, feel good about yourself. All those things are true. But, 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 but there's, a dis, there's a kind of dissatisfaction with our spiritual condition that, that moves us closer towards the goal. It's just like, you know, let's, let's use this analogy. Physically speaking, you know, when you look in the mirror and you realize that you, you've got that COVID-15 you know, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, and you realize that that motivates you to uh, get on your bike or to uh, push back the plate or to do some things, to, to move toward the goal of fitting into your clothes. Amen. Somebody, y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but, but, but this has things with your spiritual condition. Listen, I don't know about you, but I find this really comforting. That a man like the Apostle Paul, could say, I haven't arrived yet. I haven't reached the goal. And so we can be honest with ourselves and with each other and say, I am not there. I have not arrived. And that's okay. You just keep on pressing on to take hold of that for which Jesus Christ took hold of you. Now listen, listen what, uh, family, what uh, 2 Peter 1, 3 says. Listen to these words. He says, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. But here's, here's, this, here's where this verse connects with our text today. We need to use all of these things, everything that is for life and godliness that have been, and has been given to us. We need to use what has been given in order to mature and to develop in our faith and to grow in our knowledge of Christ. So what we have so far is our, the general concept here is to, be, to become more and more like Christ. 
But the specific concern today and where we have to apply this is God's plan for your life in this season. So Paul mentions uh, two things in verse 13 that involved in effectively pursuing or pressing on. And those two words are forgetting and reaching. He says in verse 13, he says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. That's encouraging because I haven't either. You haven't either. If you think he did. He says, but this is the one thing I do. If you have your Bibles in front of you, you would maybe underline this. This one thing I do. He says, this is, this is, this is my main focus in life. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Listen to those words. Forgetting what is behind. Forgetting what is behind. Forget what? Well, let me give you three things. Forgetting victories. Because you can't live on yesterday's successes. You can learn from them, but you don't rely on them. It doesn't really matter what you did 10 years ago or two months ago. What matters is now. Notice how Paul puts the past behind him, and he's anchored in the present with a view toward the future. So forgetting your victories, forgetting your failures. Your failures are, listen, child of God, your failures are forgiven and forgotten. They're they're under the blood. Don't dwell on the past. If you let him, Satan, who who is the accuser, will use your past to cripple you. Somebody said this, don't allow your setbacks to set you back. So forget your victories, forget your failures, and then forget the past sins of others against you. Either forgive, I mean, either forgive the offenses you've suffered at the hands of others, or you'll find yourself ultimately in bondage to them. So here's the bottom line. Christ has set you free, and that, that's a, a fact. The past doesn't need to control your life. There are many of, of us on this Zoom meeting today who have every reason to be a mess by the world's standards. You may have come from a highly dysfunctional background, but for some reason, by the grace of God, you are not a mess. You are blessed. As a matter of fact, your past becomes a testimony. That's where the rear view mirror comes in, Octavia, because your past becomes a testimony of what God can do to heal and restore and bless a person who seeks after God with all their heart. So Paul says this, I'm pressing forward. I'm forgetting the past. In the eloquent words of K. Michelle, I move on. So that's the negative. But here's the positive. I'll leave that behind. I'll move on. But the positive is this. And he says, I'm reaching forward to what lies ahead. Listen, we lamented 2020, just about had a funeral and put it buried in and spoke the thing over it, the, 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 the committal over it. Uh, you know, it was like when, uh, December 31st, like, thank God 2020 is over. And I know that 2021 has started out not so well either. But I want to, you to keep this reality in the forefront of your consciousness. I want you to keep this reality in your spirit. God has so much for you that lies ahead. Don't miss out on the blessings that God has for you going forward by being imprisoned by your past. He says, reaching forward. Reaching forward, reaching forward, reaching forward. This is why I'm 
stretch, stretching a muscle to its limit. It's the picture of a runner straining every muscle to reach the finish line. Is that the picture of your Christian life? Is that the picture of your desire to be more like Christ? It says reaching forward and then reaching out. And everything I have to be more like Christ, to get closer to the, to the Lord. The ultimate upward call is, is, is heaven, yes. And the, the prize is when we ultimately be like Jesus. We'll see him as he is. But in the meantime, I'm pressing toward that goal. And now look at what Paul says in verse 20. He says this, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Again, so the goal is what? Knowing Jesus, becoming more like Jesus. But we need to appreciate what all this talk of citizenship here would mean to the Philippians because they valued their Roman citizenship. And even though they were in fact far from Rome geographically, you know, they valued the fact that they were, they, they were citizens of Rome and there were many blessings and benefits that, 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 that accrued to them because of that. And even though they're far from Rome geographically, likewise, in the same way, we value our heavenly citizenship, even though we're far from him and we're here on earth, right? Like a Barclays paraphrase of verse 20 reads like this. It says, we have, uh, our, our, we have our home in heaven and here on earth, we are a colony of heaven's citizens. Get that picture in your mind. And that's why sometimes you will feel a little bit, sometimes a little bit like an alien and a stranger in this land. Okay? And that's why the, the most important thing for us is not uh, political power, but it is spiritual it's spiritual power. It's, it's, it's Christ in our lives and realize, realizing that we're citizens of the kingdom of heaven. So Paul is saying, just as the Roman colonists never forgot they belonged to Rome, so you, my friend, must never forget that you are a citizen of heaven. And so therefore, your conduct, your comportment, your actions must match your citizenship. I'm almost done. But listen, as we segue and we have and we're segueing and, and transitioning into this new year, my prayer is that we will be emptying, longing and pressing forward. In the words of my muse, Donnie Hathaway, things are moving fast. Hold on tight and you will last. But I'm not talking about what came before that hang on to the world as it spins around, but I'm talking about holding fast to Jesus, emptying ourselves of everything that would hinder our fully trusting Christ, longing every day to know him better and pressing forward toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. And I'm just about done. But I heard Sister Stacey Abrams say this. She said, I'm going to move forward because going backwards isn't an option and standing still isn't good enough. I move on. Amen. I'm done. <laughs>